Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is part two of Dr. Marnie Fodorero. Mm -hmm, yeah. And um, we just got so off topic. We were so excited and wrapped up in our conversation. And so today um, she is going to tell us more in depth about her spiritual experiences, right? All right, super. Well, yes, and I think that it's an appropriate place to talk about STEs, which is spiritually transformative experiences, because they are very, very similar to NDEs, near-death experiences. And for those that do not know the difference, um, when, of course, when you have an NDE, you die from this physical plane here on Earth. And go on to have various experiences. So many are, are very similar. With an STE, you don't have to flatline, um, but you do experience trauma of some sort most of the time. Um, probably not always, but most of the time there's some sort of trauma, which is kind of what we talked about in, in part one. It could be a variety of different things. Um, that is different and unique for each individual. But that trauma can put you in a state where you are open to experiencing spiritual experiences that transform you. And actually, it, it was a, a medical doctor and psychotherapist, Dr. Yvonne Kaysen, that coined the term STE. And uh, she has gone on to um, do a lot of research and then um, review a lot of other people's research, including Dr. Eben Alexander, who you had on your show, Peggy. Um, he's the Harvard neurosurgeon that um, died of meningitis, but had a complete uh, near-death experience that changed, altered the course of his life. And so, it's, it's definitely a research phenomenon. But regarding my situation, I, I had a couple different STEs that were really, really transformative that happened in the beginning. And I talked about them in part one. Um, one of them was a dragonfly experience where I was just in a state of gratitude and peacefulness. And you know, a dragonfly circled me and then five dragonflies. And within a very, very short time, there were 50 to 100 dragonflies circling me. And I could, everything was in slow motion. Everything was just like, I could see them approaching me. I could see the veins in the wings, the iridescent colors throughout the whole body, the different sizes and the feeling that I got was that of we are loved, I am loved, and I am being circled and supported. And um, like I had mentioned in part one, at, at one point I was starting to kind of come back to this earthly realm and I knew to pull out my cell phone to videotape, you know, this experience. Um, and, and I was able to capture it on film, all these dragonflies, I, I had never heard of that before. Um, but later on, I went on to have a number of other kind of dragonfly experiences. And in many cultures, dragonflies, you know, are a symbol of transformation. And I think that that I was going through a big life change. And I think that that was, you know, part of the reason why 
I believe God sent me these dragonflies. And, and I actually went on to, um, later on that year, I, I went skiing in Minnesota, in Taylor Falls, Minnesota, and um, was having a Thanksgiving that was unlike any other. I was uh, for the first time without family. And, uh, but I was still in a state of happiness and gratitude and uh, had a few dragonfly experiences, but didn't really put the pieces of the puzzle together. But that day on, on, um, on Thanksgiving, um, drove around to look for a winery to go to. I was amazed to find one that was open. And there was a winery called the Dancing Dragonfly. And it turns out the owner of that winery had the same experience where they were in a state of gratitude, but circled with dragonflies. So that was one major, major experience. Another experience that I mentioned, um, and I won't go into so much detail because I did talk about it a lot in part one, is where I got uh, messages um, and experiences through electronics where I was at a nail salon looking at a, at a TV screen, you know, was, was captivated by a couple different infomercials. And um, the experience was the same, like with all my spiritually transformative experiences where time stand still or there's no time or what what I believed was hours or maybe even days was really minutes, you know, um, just very short snippets of time. But but that's not the experience I had. And and luckily, you know, Dr. Yvonne Kaysen and others that study this say that that's what happens to a lot of people. That, 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 you know, there's just a, like the world kind of blurs out and you are focused in on the experience, but there's just no time. So anyway, those two experiences, I think were ones that just opened up my um, mind and heart and soul to being more aware of these signs and synchronicities. I wouldn't ever look for them, but they would just sort of appear randomly uh, when I did not expect it at all. And I learned that um, through my research and through um, the experiences I had to pay attention, pay attention to these signs and synchronicities because you know what we might think are just coincidences are really not coincidences. They're synchronicities. They're, they're orchestrated to get our attention, you know, maybe to, to give us the um, knowledge that there's more to this life. Um, and, and actually, if people are tuning into your amazing um, NDE TV podcast series, they, they know because they've heard hundreds of accounts of people that have had an NDE and, and I've listened to some of your, your um, shows where they are spiritually transformative experiences. So this is a phenomenon that really happens. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Oh, um, have you watched the movie dragonfly? No, I haven't. You have got to Google it and watch it. It's Kevin Cosner. It's a good movie. Okay. Um, it's fictional, okay, good. but it's about um, 
it, it touches on near-death experiences, after-death communication, spiritually. I mean, they don't have those words so much, but it's, it's you know, it's fictional, but it's an amazing movie. I'll send you a link right. to it. I will, okay, thank you. I will definitely check that out. And, and maybe other listeners can check that out. And actually, everything that is fiction has some grounded basis in reality, in actual experiences. Like, for example, I was so compelled by my experiences that actually started at a garage sale that I wrote a spiritual fiction um, called God Came to My Garage Sale. And even though it's a spiritual fiction, and there's some embellishments here and there for the story, and of course, everything didn't happen at a garage sale. Some of it were my accounts, my experiences, but some of it were experiences of the hundreds of other people that I have listened to. Um, but, you know, a spiritual fiction or even a movie, like you said, the Dragonfly movie that's fictional, still has some very good messages because there, there is some reality that you can extrapolate from that. And, and actually, my book was endorsed by James Redfield, who wrote The Celestine Prophecy. He is so well known for his fictional work, yet it's all based on actual experiences and, you know, a desire to help bring awareness about spirituality to the masses, which he has done with the Celestine Prophecy and, and the 10th Insight and that type of thing. So anyway, several people get mad at me because I tell them the shack is fiction and they get furious. No, it's not. Yeah. Right. But you know what? It definitely, it is. It's a, it's, it's, it's got combinations of both, but there are, you know, this had to come from someone's mind and most likely from some experiences. And, you know, that has been a runaway bestseller. Um, for a good reason, because, you know, now with your platform and with the IONS community, which is stands for the International Association for Near-Death Studies, um, the SAI community with Dr. Yvonne Kaysen, the Spiritual Awakenings International, we are having these conversations. We are bringing it. We are finding our voices. No longer do we feel like, hey, someone's going to think we're crazy if we tell them what we experienced, because now there are so many other accounts that are similar that we are given the permission to, to share our experiences. And, you know, people can make up their own minds about what they want to believe or not, but most everyone that has experienced something like trauma or like the spiritual effects that happen as a result um, they're compelled to share their story. Even people that are not comfortable in front of a camera or an audience or something will, will be compelled to share their story because we are given such messages. And, and the underlying message with everything is love, that we are all about love. Love is the highest vibration. And yes, on this earthly plane, we need to go through life lessons, that we probably choose before we even come here. Um, there's definitely so much heartache and loss in our world. Um, you know, and we, we see it every day if we turn on the news, but we see it within our own families and our own lives. 
And it's hard to understand why would we go through such deep and awful, painful emotions and experiences. But I truly believe that we do that. We go through that because we are trying to self-actualize and get to our highest awareness and realizing that this is all part of the plan. And, and in talking about our experiences, we can open the minds of others to look back on their life or look ahead when they experience things and realize, hey, this might be synchronistic. This might be spiritual in nature. Let me stop and reflect on that. And that is what I did. And, and I actually, um, and we mentioned this in part one, I have an atheist background. So I don't, I never had exposure to God or organized religion or spirituality. I really, I really didn't. And I was, I didn't know any better, you know, when you're raised a certain way, it just wasn't part of our, you know, conversations. But um, in my heart of hearts, I knew that I needed to, that there was more. I needed to look into these things myself and be on my own journey, even if it doesn't align with other family members that have different beliefs. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing once you are awakened to, um, you know, seeing that some things are not just coincidences. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, and it, and it brings so much joy and peace to know that, you know, there is another realm, um, and, and there is a purpose to all of this. So some of my other experiences, I mean, I've had so many um, but I will tell you, even though they're random, like I, I'm going to be sharing some different random experiences, the common thread for me anyway, is that everything stood still with time. So there was always the feeling that, you know, the air was like clear jello that I just was sort of, um, mesmerized. I mean, it's like all of my experiences were when I was in this deep kind of, kind of a dreamlike state, always with the feelings of love and gratitude. And, um, and, and so that, that is the common thread. But like, for, for example, another experience I had, um, there was a time, you know, well, my whole life, I always wanted to be a mom. And there was a time that, you know, I was having difficulty getting pregnant. And I just, you know, those of you that are mothers or fathers that really want to be parents, you know this feeling. You really, you know, you kind of get a tunnel vision. You know, this is, you want to, to start a family, uh, have a family. So I decided to pray, even though I wasn't particularly even involved in the organized church at that time, I decided to look into, would there be a saint out there that I could pray to? For getting pregnant. And I found that St. Gerard was the patron saint of mothers. And so I decided to pray to St. Gerard uh, one morning. I just said, you know, gosh, I've tried a lot of other things and I just want to pray. I would, I want, you know, I want my pregnancy test to come back positive and I want to have this, you know, child. And so I was really focused on that that morning. And, um, 
you know, didn't really think too much of it. I got in my car and I just drove to the, you know, not too far, uh, just a few blocks away um, to the local kind of business area in my town. And um, I don't remember exactly what I was going for, whether I was going to go get a cup of coffee or um, I know I wasn't meeting anyone. I was by myself. But anyway, I turned on this like road that I did not normally go on. It was like behind some stores and it was very quiet. It was really early in the morning. There were no cars out. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was a red Corvette that cut me off right in the front. And, um, and in my, my spiritual fiction, in my book, I do write about this. I call it a, a yellow Corvette, but it, it was a red Corvette. And it really caught my attention, but everything was in slow motion. And, and I, I obviously put my foot on the brakes because I did not hit this car that came out of nowhere um, on this quiet morning where there were no cars out. And, and I could see that with this, I knew it was a speeding car. It all happened very fast, but to me, it was slow motion and I looked at the license plate and in bold capital letters, it said Gerard, which is the name of the patron saint that I was praying to. And that really shocked me for a lot of reasons. You know, first of all, if this car was going so fast, how could I have even seen a license plate? I, I, but I do remember the feeling of just just slow motion, almost as if I was not in my body or, or as if I was not in my mind or I was not in, um, I was like at, at a different plane, you know, like a different level to our world. So anyway, that was one of the, the many experiences that was, it was crazy. And actually that, that evening, I, um, I had bought a pregnancy test and you have to do that in the morning. And that next morning I found out I was pregnant. And so I kind of, you know, was trying to make sense of it. This is before I did a lot of research into, yeah, this really happened. This, this really is something that could happen. But I was trying to make sense of the experience. And I thought, wow, isn't that neat? Maybe my prayers were answered. But I didn't fully believe it. And it wasn't until after about like 30 different experiences that I finally went, something's happening here. You know, I, I, I'm getting messages. I'm, um, I'm manifesting some things. I am experiencing things. Um, another experience I had that all happened within a five minute period, I was thinking about an uncle that had passed away who had a very different first name, you know, very unique first name. And it's, you wouldn't see this name, you know, places. It, it was just very different. He was much older. And um, within a five minute period and I'm driving, I saw a license plate with that name. I saw a street sign with that name. I saw a billboard like an actual billboard where I think it was like a advertising, um, like a realtor or something with that name. And, um, 
And I, I, there was one other thing I've just got to try to think of it because I, I, I just, this is so overwhelming to just really remember. It's almost like when I mention these things, I'm taken back. I can, I feel myself in the car right now seeing these things, but within a short time of thinking of this uncle and his name, to see that name three times just seemed like just too coincidental just be like especially when you never see it and and I drove by that area um because that's where I would go to work and I don't remember seeing that billboard ever again or that street sign ever again and I kind of looked for it but it was not there so so that's a little bit like you know okay you know and it it makes you wonder am I imagining this but but I know I didn't I know I didn't imagine this and and actually the research that's out there regarding these experiences, they actually say you are not imagining, this is not, you're not hallucinating. You're not making this up. You know, you, you really experience these things. Um, another experience I had that was kind of otherworldly was a dream visitation from my mom. And I had heard at that point, I think I had done some more research. Um, I was planning to spend a month in India and I was actually meeting up the beginning of the trip. Normally tourists go from New Delhi at the top all the way down. Um, I started in Mumbai, which is the old Bombay. Um, and I went up to Udapur Jaipur, up to New Delhi on my, on my travels because I was meeting for, I think it was four days with a, a man who was in his 90s that almost married my mother. And my mother went um, to do her graduate work. Um, and, and my mother had passed away at this point. I couldn't talk to her about all of this. But I, I knew of this man. I knew of this relationship. You know, she um, in North Carolina got her master's degree with this man uh, who came from India they had, that was her first love, probably her only love, um, even though she went on to marry my dad. Um, I, I just, I, I, they had a, a really big connection. And I remember uh, meeting this man when I was young. I probably would have been about six or seven years old when he came to the States. Um, I'm from the Midwest like you are. I, I'm from the Chicago suburbs. And you know he came to, to visit. So I do remember meeting him, even as a little kid. And I remember at one point my mom gave me the sari, and the sari is that big piece of cloth that, you know, um, the the women of India wear um, as their their dress. Not not even dressing up, just every day they wear they wear a variation of a sari. And this particular sari was laced in gold. And I remember my mom saying to me, don't, you know, this is very special, you know, always save it. But at one point at this garage sale, I was, I put it out to be sold just like a lot of other heirlooms and, you know, things. I just was, you know, I had to, to get rid of things. But at, at one point when someone did want to buy it, I remembered my mom, you know, saying this, how special the sari was. And so I kept it. And then it wasn't too much later on that my, um, or around that time that even though my parents were divorced, my father had saved all my mom's love letters from this man in India. 
And um, they were all beautiful love letters, not only with what they said, but um, but that they they were the old onion skin par avion letter paper that you know you would actually they were pre-stamped and and you would write your letter and you would fold it and fold it and and seal it. Those were the kind of letters that they had back then. And um, so I I really had kind of a spiritual experience finding those letters. I didn't know I had them. They were when I had to leave my home. I I went through the crawl space and found a box with my name on it. I know it had my dad's handwriting and, you know, on the cover of the box. And I went through and it was all these love letters. And I, I sought out to try to connect with this man. And it took a while, but eventually through some miracles, actually, I, I'll share this because it's, it's actually kind of a, another kind of miracle. Um, I connected with his daughter who was living in New York and she was my age and she was very kind, but she's basically like, why do you want to contact my dad? I said, well, my mom passed away and I found these letters and I just wanted to, you know, connect, you know, I met your dad, you know, when I was a little kid. And uh, so she was kind of a little leery about that, but she ended up giving me his email and I wrote a long email to him and sent it off. So I was doing all this through modern day electronics, even connecting with that daughter and, and, and then connect, trying to connect with the man. Well, I printed out that email and I thought, you know, I'm gonna just put it in snail mail as well. Um, and it turned out he never got the email even though that was his correct email address because we emailed at one point, but he did get the snail mail and ended up mailing me lots of photographs. And then we, you know, in time made arrangements for me to go to India to, to see him. So anyway, that was pretty awesome. But right before the trip, I had a dream visitation from my mom. And, you know, I heard of dream visitations before, didn't really believe them, to be honest with you. I, you know, I, people would say, yeah, I saw my grandmother at the end of my bed, you know, or usually it's at the end of your bed. I mean, you hear these. And, and I was like, you know, until I actually experienced it and saw my mom at the end of my bed, I would never have believed it. Okay. And so, and I'm sure there's some people out there that have either had near-death experiences or or spiritually transformative experiences or encounters where they have seen someone at the end of their bed. Well, actually, my mom was lying on my bed and she was looking at me and she wasn't smiling or frowning. There was no, there was no real emotion uh, to her face. Her face was beautiful. She was, um, I never saw a, a photograph of her at this, what I saw. She was probably in her 30s. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing. And, and actually, a lot of research says that when people do come to visit you, they can choose what they want to look like. Like if they were, if they were physically dying and, and had their body was falling apart or whatever, they can kind of choose to come back at a time when they were healthier. And, and that's what you see. You know, you don't see the person that is, you know, physically falling apart. So I saw my beautiful mother and, you know, I saw her in particular clothes um, and I was just mesmerized and we just looked at each other 
and there were no words spoken. She didn't speak to me. And I, if I was not in a dream state, if I had my regular consciousness, you know, I would have a million questions to ask her because she had since passed away. I would want to ask her, mom, is there really a heaven? Is there really a God? You know, um, you know, are there angels? You know, are you okay? You know, what, what's this whole earth about? You know, am I having these experiences for a reason? But of course, I didn't think to ask one question. And so I just looked at her and, and, but the feeling I had, oh my God, Peggy. And, and with all of these experiences, the feeling is just, I'm being surrounded with love and light and, and that it's all going to be okay. I'm like reassured somehow. And, and then at some point, you know, her vision, the vision of her just dissipated, you know, and, and with many, this is another thing I'd like to mention, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, why didn't you talk about it right away? You know, there are people that are talking about their near-death experiences 10, 20 years after the fact, because it's almost like it takes, it takes a long earthly time to be able to um, assimilate this all, to just figure it all out, to have it be part of who we are, to be able to talk about it. Um, but many of the near-death experiences that I, I listen to, you know, um, and so many, I would say the majority of them are just so very convincing because of the people and, and you know, how they're able to articulate what they went through. I just re-listened to Dr. Mary Neal's near-death experience. Um, she was an, um, an osteopath doctor, ortho, no, excuse me, orthopedic. I knew it was an O word. She was an orthopedic doctor, very grounded in science, needing proof for everything. Well, she went on a kayaking um, adventure, vacation or whatever. And at the end of a waterfall or whatever, she was pinned and for over 30 minutes, she was without any kind of oxygen. And she explains how she was able to view her body from above and she could see people working on her, you know, pulling her out of the water and she was purple or blue, you know, she, she was not in good shape at all. Of course, after 30 minutes being pinned and she was in a remote area where there was, you know, no help, no communications, no cell towers, nothing like that. Somehow, and I don't know the exact story, but you know, somehow she was able to get medical attention. And then she went on to, to um, live through this experience. And now she speaks, um, you know, she did a TED talk, but she's on so many different channels talking about her near-death experience, which actually happened years prior. So, so another common thread is it takes a while for people to, to really be able to talk about their experiences. You know, I think even you mentioned something about at one point, you remember something when you were five years old. Well, but you didn't talk about it when you were five or six or seven or eight, you know, you, it, you end up having life experiences and then you have some other kind of traumatic event 
that kind of puts you back into a spiritual awakening. And, and then you could go back and say, Hey, I had that experience when I was a little kid, you know, do you a find that stuff's buried? Yeah. And, and why do you think that is like what, I mean, I've always been curious. Why do you think it's, why do you think our consciousness buries it? You know, I've asked myself, you know, cause after I was 25 and lost the twins and I was sitting up, the, I went outside, get away from everybody. I was, I was mourning the twins. I was sad and alone because nobody in this big Catholic family, they sound a big party inside. I just went outside to be alone because none of them can say, I'm sorry, you lost the twins. And I had a miscarriage right after that too. And nobody could oh. say anything. They still treated me just as bad, ignored me just like they always had. Um, they never wanted me in the family because I come from a bad home. Okay, they weren't angels. They're, you know, because they were Catholic, they had a reputation. Sure. But, um, you know, the, his, my ex's father-in-law, he was a very abusive to his wife. And one of the babies would have been about my age if she had lived. Um, the kids had told me he knocked that baby out of her. Oh. He beat her and she went up against the wall. And when she hit the wall, she slid down. And they said it left a trail of blood. And she oh. went to the hospital, come home in a shoebox. And they named her Loretta. And, you know, they weren't perfect. They were very, very poor. And right. um, the mother was mentally ill, severely. She was in and out of mental hospitals. And the poor woman, you know, 13 children she bare. Then one died. And he just kept um, abusing her. And so they weren't perfect. But yet I wasn't allowed in their family. They wow. wasn't going to accept me because I come from a bad home. Because I had... Um, you know, had friends that in high school that were black and things. And, but anyway, so they just mistreated me, but a lot of it was the sister-in-laws were jealous of me. Sure. I was very uh, thin from starvation through my childhood. Um, and I had this really long brown hair and, um, I was just very feminine, very shy and quiet. And I was just and, like, and a you're so queen. very you know, you're so very beautiful, Peggy. I mean, now I can, I can imagine when you were that young too, that you were so very beautiful. So there could have been some, some envy. Yeah, um, I would like to, I would like to say though, I would like to say though, you had mentioned that that mother was mentally ill, but you know what? She might've been gaslit to believe she was mentally ill. She might've been extremely capable. Well, and most of her siblings were too. And they said but, her mother was severely mentally ill. So this was something very right. prominent, you know, hereditary in the family. But so, so anyway, that I was just, you know, sad and alone. So I went outside, sat in the night sky and looked up the stars. And I was just kind of praying saying, God, I give up. If they can't, it, if they can't care about their nieces and nephews that died, right. there's no way they're going to ever care about me. And I gave up sure. and I just got lost in the stars. And all of a sudden, I had the memory of the drowning from front to back, but there you go. I got lost in the stars. I went into that timelessness. Right. That we're talking about. And, and you buried. So I can see where, you know, to come full circle from what we started to talk about that you bury these, these, these uh, thoughts and experiences um, 
you know, for many reasons, and they could be extremely painful. But like you said, you, you, you had a spiritual experience yeah. as well. Yeah, I can see were- it now as an awakening. Of course, I yeah. didn't know that at the time, because when it took me over and I, and I looked and it just, I was like this whole movie trailer, you know, was in the sky. I, it just right. took me over. I was in it. It was like, I was reliving. And then, then I was like, sat up and I was like, did I drown when I was little? And right. so I went and visited my family. Did I drown when I was little? I was like, yeah, you did. And this is why we never wow. talked about it and et cetera. And I remember later bits and pieces, and you know, it took a while to all come back to me, but I remember, I remember this, you know, right after the drowning, I remembered it a few days after the wildflower incident was probably a week, a few days after the drowning. And, and then there was spiritual things that happened and they would come back in flashbacks. And I thought, what in the world, what kind of weird memory is this? What do I do with it? I can't talk to anybody about this. And they just kept coming back, kept coming back. And then, um, after the twins and I lost the, the, had the miscarriages, I decided I was going to college. And then after college, I become a child abuse investigator. And my first month there, I started just saving lives. Okay. Well, I did right after the drowning too. I would be led, like, I just would have these feelings and I would be led to someone that was, you know, choking in this house or this car wreck up the hill that you can even hear a noise from. Wow. Um, so really, really, Peggy, that th- th- I'm so glad you're sharing this because it is it's so important to see how spirit works because your experiences that you had as a child, you know, I'm sure led you on this path to even being more open to having spiritual experiences, but also the work that you chose to do and that how I'm sure your intuition that you said would lead you to certain people or scenarios or cases, I'm sure you call them cases when you're, when you're working, you probably were, that was a big part of why you're here on earth. And you probably saved so many people's lives from your experience that you had, but then how it evolved into what, you know, you are, you are, your life's work. And then, and then just to even, you know, go so far as to write your books. You know, I remember even seeing you on Dr. Oz where, you know, you were interviewed and talking about this. And that was back when it still was a little taboo to talk about this stuff. You know, you still are kind of judged. And, and, you know, I find myself too, that if there are people that I can kind of figure out are not spiritual at all, I, I don't gravitate towards those people anymore, you know, because not that I need to share my story and I don't, there's a lot of people that don't know my spiritual experiences. And that's part of the reason why I I wrote this book. Um, But, um, you know, I just think that at some point we, we have to take care of ourselves and release the people that are judgmental or questioning. I mean, questioning is not a bad thing, but if they do it with compassion and understanding, that's a whole different thing. Um, but I, I think that 
the older we get, and then if there are more and more experiences that we have or hear other people's experiences, we, we become a little stronger in our own truth, in our own faith if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's just almost like as I get older and I look back and put all the pieces together and see where I was pushed out of something and I would resist. I'm trying to fit in. I'm trying to fit in. Like my first husband's family, 16 years trying to fit in my family. Like you grew up with trying to fit in <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me and jobs I've had trying to fit in. And it's just like, you're going against the current. And it, right. you know, it just wants you to push you on down somewhere else. And you're just fighting, trying to, you know, go with the current. And you're like, you are not meant to go in this direction and you will not. Go. And, you know, and as I get older, it almost now seems like I'm just using my imagination here, but it feels like, you know, maybe before we're born, we are all given this song with the musical notes because as I get older, almost feel, when I look back at all the memories and the turns, it feels like this violin, I know it sounds silly, but it feels like this violin just playing this song. I think of the song or the movie Thornbirds, where they say, you know, at the beginning that something about these two, this, this bird is just meant his whole life to go to this one, I don't know, I guess it's a flower, but when it gets right. there, it it pierces its heart and kills it, but it gives the most beautiful song yeah. as it's dying, this, this song. And, and that was kind of the whole gist of the whole series of Thornbirds is that at the end of it, you know, she has spent her whole life loving this priest. And, right. and she just was after that love and after that, I'm getting way off topic. No, but, but it makes my days in a million places. But when you finally get to what you think is what you want, it's not necessarily what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. 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 And she was trying to get something her whole life she wasn't meant to have. And she would right. never let go of it. And, but, you know, you mentioned ions. That was just one more thing. I was not meant to be there. And yeah. I, I started a group down here in Southeast Ohio. You know, there's never any, NDE group down here before. I thought I was doing a good right. thing. And then um, the longest running um, IONS group was 40 years and lady had it in Columbus, Ohio. And she okay. retired and I went up there and I took over her group for anybody that wanted to continue on. Because someone wanted to separate and go to metaphysical instead. Right, and then right. COVID hit. And so I had the, um, I was in the first group of ISGO to start the ISGO training. Okay, yeah. And I had three months of people scheduled, Raymond Moody and all these, you know, top people. And I was just like in it, right? And then they come and told me, oh, we didn't, they don't want you here. Wow. We don't but want you. Know what? But you know, maybe you know, you I wasn't meant maybe. to be there. I was meant to be right here. Yes, you're meant to be right here and you're making a difference with so many people. And it's, you know, these these conversations are so important to have because it's it's wonderful just to hear someone's near-death experience and what they experience, but understanding the backstory or understanding some of the other kinds of connections are just key. They're very important to get a complete picture of things. And these so, things aren't new. People might no, think, oh, that's no. new age garbage. That's it. These things would happen to your grandma. You know, people we're, we're talk just, to their we're grandparents. Just talking about it. 
Have you heard any right. stories in your family of this and this and this? I guarantee you, they would tell you something. Right, right. And, you know, but also the previous generations did a lot of no talking. <laughs> they did a lot of silencing. Like, you know, I, I had an aunt who lost a child uh, to drowning, too. He was 13, my cousin. And, um, and indirectly, I take his story and write about that in the book as well. But she was told by her mother, never think about him again and never talk about it. And so that's how she handled her grief and her loss. Thank God we live in a time now where we can have these conversations because, you know, people's emotional health is, is much more important than, than, you know, that could have detrimental effects if you don't get it out of, of yourself and talk about it. Yeah. And, and a few and months after my NDE, I told my husband at the time. Yeah. And he said, he is as crazy. It sounds He's I believe you. He's I know you, I can tell yeah. you're telling me the truth. Yeah. And I told my sister and she got me weird. And it was strange because she was, she's always been this liar and tells these big whopping stories. And yeah. I'm telling the truth about something. She can't even go there. Like what? Right. All of a sudden I became you all of a sudden I became the liar and making up stuff. No, right. you know, like, and then I told another friend of ours and then they looked at me weird. And so I left it there for years. Yeah. Right. And, and that's not until of what I met my husband. Right. Uh, right. See. That's, that's a See, lot. That of was uh, 10 years later. Yeah. It was 10 years. So, so there you see how you can go many years without, you know, expressing it because of not only was it traumatic, but you were not encouraged to talk about it. Yeah. So and actually really, go what ahead. made me bring it up with him is we had our adopted kids. So it was a couple of years after our marriage. And um, I had some time alone, which I never did. And I was up in my room doing some spring cleaning and I was fooling with the radio and I hadn't heard, hadn't listened to Christian music in years because I remember Christian music to be like square, you know, the old fashioned stuff and right. other than amazing grace, or, you know, we hear some hymns at Catholic church. They didn't really get into right. music like my old churches did, but I longed for that, that music ever since my MBE actually. And um, so I flip around the stations and I come to one and I didn't know they had a new thing, this new pop Christian music. I hadn't heard right. it. And why Amy, Amy Grant was the big crossover from, from, you know, the religious music, the church music to the pop music. And that opened up the door for so many people to yeah. listen to Christian music. Even as an atheist, I would listen to Christian music because I loved it so much. I loved the message. I loved the, the beat, everything. So anyway, so you're playing with the radio and you hear some Christian it, yeah, music. Yeah, it was just like somebody lit a match in my heart. I mean, I was like on fire, you know, I was like rejoicing and I got I, all this stuff, spiritual stuff started coming back to me, my memories. And just like I had a buried, it was like I had just found it underneath the bed or something. I mean, it was just like all of a sudden it was there. And I ran down, got my nine adopted kids and I said, kids, come here. And they sat around the bed, around the room. And I, it's the first time I got like I am right now, like animated Wonderful. and spiritual Wonderful. and i'm telling yeah. all these things and tears run down my face and they're like mom they never see me like i, I have that. to I ask though Peggy, like that. you said this very fast and i have to ask did you say nine adopted kids yeah. 
Nine adopted kids. Wow. <laughs> when my husband and I, my husband now, when we got married, um, I'd always done foster care. And so I got him into foster care and he knew I wanted to adopt. That's basically why we got married because I wanted to adopt and you, you should be married. Sure. And so we um, adopted a sibling group of five, our first year of marriage. Oh my God. And we continued doing foster care and a sibling group of four, we were fostering for a year. They became available. That's how we ended up with nine. We didn't do it intentionally. Wow. And so wow. these beautiful kids are just like, mom, you know, they later turn into devils when they hit puberty. But, um, but but you know what, Peggy, talking about, you know, your experience, and I'd like to share at least one more experience that I had, you know, you had a transformation that came through the radio that, you know, the, t the timing, the music, the genre, whatever it was, was life-changing for you. I also had some other experience, like I did talk about, in part one about, you know, spirit coming through a television set. But I have also heard that, that you can get messages from the other side through electronics. And there was a, a woman that I knew, um, we had, um, her boyfriend was a mutual friend, and he had passed away. And I remember, she said that she heard once that you could um, if you put a tape recorder back in the old days, you know, the tape cassette, if you put a blank tape going on at night, um, and so it would have to be several hours long of a tape, um, that you could hear messages through that, that if you, you know, I'm sure it'd be kind of boring in many ways to listen, to re-listen to that while you were sleeping, but she swears that she was able to hear her boyfriend who had recently passed away come to her through that tape recorder and i was one of the few that actually believed her so many people just she wouldn't even talk to about it because it sounded so far-fetched but you know maybe there's others in your audience that have had that experience but you know one other experience i'd like to share that's you know i thought coincidental but now I really don't believe it is. I was um, going to meet my brother at one point. We were going to have lunch together and we were going to, some reason we were going to talk about my mom, you know, like that was, that was on our agenda, you know, to, to talk about our mom who had passed away many years prior. And so I'm driving, I'm driving uh, to this restaurant and um, right before I get to the restaurant, I said, mom, you know, I'm here, you know, we're going to be thinking about you. And it would be amazing if you could give me some sort of sign that you know, we love you and that we are thinking of you. And so I'm still driving to the restaurant. I'm about five minutes away. All of a sudden, her favorite song came on the radio and I know her favorite music. You know, I, I, she had given me all her records, her LPs and, um, God, they were all stamped. I remember with her name on it. Um, but, uh, anyway, I, her, this favorite song came on the radio and when I was listening to this particular radio station, it did not play oldies and goodies. 
it was all current music. So the song really was out of place with the other music that was there. And, you know, and, and I since went back and looked at that, you know, listened to that radio station, just sort of checked it out. And they never played these older songs that, you know, I know that she knows where it was her music, but that she exposed me to. And I sat in that restaurant parking lot for at least another 15, 20 minutes while I'm sure my brother was waiting in the restaurant. But there was another song that came on that was her music and another and another. And I believe there were four songs total that were her music. And then I was thinking to myself, now, now, how long are songs? I don't know. That's how long I kind of sat in the car. Um, but it was all slow motion, you know, and that was before I had the slow motion other experiences that I could connect the dots. And, and then I, I felt myself kind of coming back to earth. Okay. So it's kind of like, like I'm, well, the focus when I was in this zone was clear. It's almost like the earthly focus wasn't even as clear as the spiritual focus. But so I was coming back into focus, even though it was not as clear. It's hard to describe that. But um, and then they went back to just playing the regular music that they normally play. So I really believe after you know, all the research I've done and going back and thinking about these experiences and writing about them, because um, that really helps, you know, the writing has really helped me. Um, I really believe that was just for me, just like that experience that I talked about where my late friend and her hometown and her close friend came through that television set at that nail salon when I had that experience. Um, it's almost like it was just meant for me. It wasn't meant for, I bet other people listening to the radio heard the regular songs that this radio station would play. So anyway, that's just another experience where, you know, I don't know. I just think, and there are many others. I mean, I feel like Peggy, we could just talk and talk and talk and, and share stories like all day long. Um, and, and you do get animated, you do get kind of emotional and, and excited in a way talking about this because you know it almost puts you back into the time when you were experiencing these things but but the message that i would like to kind of end with here is that you know we we all are given i believe signs and synchronicities but we don't always are pay attention to them and we aren't always in a state in our lives where we can pay attention to them. You know, I was going along life for a long time without much thought about spirituality. Sure, a little bit here and there, I always was questioning, is there a God, you know, is there, is there something more to this earth? But then, you know, life would get busy and you just move on and you just don't really focus on it until you're forced to focus on it. And so what I would say to, to 
you know, that, you know, thank you to your audience for hearing, sticking this out. I know we, we had a first part interview that we really focused a lot on the trauma that led up to the spiritual experiences and, and everyone's trauma is different. You know, my trauma involved domestic violence and, and losing adult children to parental alienation. That was huge trauma for me. Other people might have trauma that's huge for them. They might've lost a job. They might have lost a loved one. They might have had to move to a place that they didn't want to move to. I mean, who knows? People's trauma is, is all different. But, but the common thread is that usually it's a traumatic situation that prompts a spiritual transformative experience. And definitely death you know, flatlining is a traumatic experience when you're in a car accident or, you know, you have an, an operation that went bad or a drowning or whatever the different experience where, where you lost a heartbeat or brain activity or whatever, but then we're able to come back to, to life to recount your experiences. That was all based in trauma. So, you know, part one, we really did, you know, talk a lot about the trauma and trauma is real and we all have trauma. We all have negative experiences. And I think it's good that, you know, we understand that that can be a catalyst to a positive awakening. So I would just encourage other people um, to continue listening to your, your NDE TV and, and different people's accounts, try to get people's backstory or additional information to make it, you know, more personable to, to, so you can understand the context that their story, their situation was in. Yeah. And, but also know, just some people have said, I don't want to hear their story. I just want to hear the near death experience. And I was oh, like, you're not learning compassion. If you're not coming yeah. on at least my podcast and you're not learning compassion, then, you know, maybe some, a different podcast is better for you. Right. And it's not just the compassion, although that is a very good point. And I, you know, it's, it really is a reflection on anyone that would make a comment like that. It's really a reflection on how shallow of an individual they are, you know, that they have not evolved to the level that you have evolved to. So, you know, you, you know, we have compassion for those that, that, you know, are misguided, but that doesn't mean we need to put up with, you know, being treated and, and have negative things said, but, but no, the reality is it's not just the NDE or the STE. It's important to look at the entire package. Like for example, when I needed val validation, I needed proof. I really believed and I don't necessarily now, I believe anyone can have experiences and it doesn't matter what their background is, but to be able to hear Dr. Mary Neal or, or Dr. Yvonne Kaysen or Dr. Raymond Moody or Dr. Evan Alexander, these people, now I don't necessarily have that same kind of, you know, looking at doctors as all knowing and everything, especially after the last couple of years with, with you know, a lot of uh, dishonest information, you know, fraudulent information regarding medical stuff. But I needed the proof that that these experiences existed. And for these previously atheist, most of them um, scientific 
people that were researchers for them to experience these things and to and to um, go on to have experiences and to go on and talk about it, write books, speak about it. That was extremely compelling. And if I only have paid attention to their near-death experience, but didn't look at the, the big picture of it all, didn't look at their background or their um, you know, what frame of mind they were coming at, or what were some things that led up to this, or what were some results that happened afterwards. I, I don't think, you know, you, you get deeper into the, the real understanding that is necessary for these. Yeah. And I've had quite a few doctors on the podcast and yeah. I have everybody on, you know, um, sure. So, because I didn't want people to feel, because I, I feel like I is just kind of presents, they have to have initial behind their name before they're a main speaker. And I'm thinking, that's not what people want to hear. They're, they care about the story. Right. And um, your janitor, your babysitter, your yeah. whoever may have had such an amazing experience and such a life around that experience that, you know, I'm feeling like let's give more people chances. Cause I think, you know, I mean, the same people they put on there every year, every year, every year. Right, and they're right. thinking that, Oh, they got this title behind your name and that's giving them credibility and an esteem. I'm like, but what about the audience? What do they want to hear? Right. Right. Yeah. And actually there's, there's positives and negatives to both. I mean, because like I said, you know, I, I'm a personal, I mean, I've gone on in my education and all of that. And I found value in that only because it allowed me to do a career that I wanted to do. But I also believe that degrees and letters after your name and all that are, it's all overrated. We are all human beings. We are all spiritual beings. And um, just because one person chooses one path and another, the other, they are, they are not, um, one is not better than the other. It's almost, I think has become, um, a divide as in liberal is educated and Christian is not. So if they get all these letters and then they're talking about spiritual things and maybe reincarnation thrown in there, all these other things, yeah. and these new age things, and then they can look down on Christians and look down on Republicans and say, now they're the dummies, they're the Appalachian, they're the West Virginians, they're the, you know, because there is that. Right, know, there, there definitely is. is. But, I, but I will say, you know, and I know from what you said, your experience with IONS wasn't necessarily so positive. Even though, uh, even though I did not, <laughs> well, right, that, I was just trying to be nice. Um, but, you know, even though I didn't have a scientific background, I spoke at IONS and they found value in, in what I had to say, um, which was nice. But I also, one of the, one of, I've listened to many different people speak at IONS and, you know, I was also going to the Chicago IONS, but so much is online. You can catch, you know, all these different yeah. uh, big cities. But one of one very compelling near death experience I heard was about a, a woman with no letters behind her name, no big titles. Um, she was struck by lightning two times, and both times had a near death experience. And she also was someone that 
was totally not comfortable talking in front of people. What was that last part? She didn't. She was totally not comfortable speaking in front of people. And so she she ended up coming on the iron circuit where she would talk about being hit by lightning and having two near-death experiences. But she also had a friend and a mentor come with her that would give her kind of emotional support to be able to do this because she was not anyone that would feel comfortable in front of a camera, an audience or anything like that. Yet she was so moved by her life altering experiences that she needed to talk about it. And so Ions gave her a platform, even though she was like, I don't want to say a nobody because everybody is somebody, but she didn't have like, you know, the, the degrees or the, the, the credibility, you know, that was just given, which shouldn't necessarily be given just because of someone's title. Yeah. I was interested in assist there a few years ago. And I, at that time, I was getting to be friends with the people in charge. And then uh, they was inviting me, wanted me to come. And then I mentioned about speaking about my NDEs. And, well, do you have a master's degree? I'm like, no, I didn't finish that. You know, well, you have to have at least a master's degree to be a speaker. You, ha you, have, a, you have a doctorate degree and postdoctorate degree in being a wonderful mother to so many children. <laughs> and, and, and also just... To be able to have a platform like you do and everything that it takes, it takes a very special person to devote time and energy to do this. So, and you know, I, I, I love doing this. I am so glad now that everything happened the way it did, that I yeah. did not waste my time and energy, expertise, talent, whatever in that. I'm glad right? that I am doing it here for me in my home in Long Bottom, Ohio. I mean, it brings me so much joy. I wanted to say something. When you were talking earlier, I think it's about um, like being in um, near misses with a vehicle accidents and kind yeah, of like lose yeah. this time and stuff. I wrote down spiritual airbags. And mm. I, I just kind of named it because there are so many people, have, and I have too, those experiences where how did I just not get hit? Right. It's right. impossible that I did not have any impact and right. i had two of those in the almost exact same spot if not the same spot on a road not far from my house within two years of each other almost exact same wow. spot on the road the first time was with my husband at night before christmas and um then the next time it was a beautiful sunny day and i sat into town it was almost um it was 11 11 soon as it, it passed, I didn't get hit. I looked at the clock. It's at 11, 11, 11, 11. There you go. I see that all the time. And that is definitely a sign. Yeah. And it's like, and I just wrote down, it's the spiritual airbags. This is like, you know what? We, there's something that protects us. It comes in. It's like, this isn't happening to you today. You know, some people say that, and, and, and even though I know our time is up here, let me just briefly share one more experience and I'll, I'll just be brief about it, but it goes along with the spiritual airbags. Um, my son was, had his driving permit and he was coming home from um, either baseball or a karate class or something like that in a very remote area, remote time where there were no cars. And I thought that's a good opportunity to let him take the wheel, you know, and, and 
you know, because he was trying to get his, you know, he was on his way to getting his driver's license. Well, and he even remembers this too. We've talked about it since then, but we, he was, we were crossing the road. He was driving, no cars anywhere. It was just a beautiful country, quiet area, but it, it was kind of hilly. So you, you couldn't necessarily see a whole lot, you know, either way. Uh, I mean, enough, you would definitely see a car, you know. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, there was an 18-wheeler barreling down the road. And my son is driving, and I'm in the passenger seat, and I'm sure I said something, but I can't really remember. And he doesn't remember. But this 18-wheeler this, this was coming so fast that I knew we were, we were not going to make it. And right before impact, the car jolted forward, completely jolted forward. Like maybe that was our spiritual airbag. And, and we did not get hit. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that was so close. Like, how did we not get hit? That was just out of the blue and he was driving and, and I asked him if he had put his foot on the, the gas to go. And he said he didn't, you know, because he, he's just learning to navigate all that. And so that was, I only had one, but I guess if I really think back, there are probably a number of different times where there were just near misses, but someone, whether it's a guardian angel or whether it's God or, um, Christ or, you know, uh, one of our spirit guides, who knows, you know, is looking out for us. And so, you know, you know what you experienced with that. And I, I too experienced just, there's just no way we would have made it. That would have been an, a, a complete impact. So, so it's, just, it's amazing. And that's what we're talking about whether yes. it's people that identify with new age or those identify with a Christian, we're talking about that exact same thing, that knowledge, that wisdom that exists out here in the air around us. And there's always protecting us and watching out for us and giving us insight, giving us these um, ultra real experiences um, that guides us to where we're supposed to go during near death experiences. Everybody's hearing say, everybody's experiencing this. And no matter what you say it is, it is. Whether you call right. it this or you call it that, the fact that it is that it exists. And that's why I do and until we, because and until, to discuss that, be aware of this. Right, be aware. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we need to be aware and keep our eyes open, but our hearts and mind open to that reality. And I believe it's a reality. And, and I'll tell you, I was one of those extremely skeptical people, especially not just because of my atheist background, but I just needed proof, proof to, is this real? And, and you know, you lose people along the way that don't align with your same values when it comes to all sorts of things. But and that's, that's an okay, okay thing you know, and if anybody wants to know why I, I stopped the comments, we all need to stay in gratitude. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, 
we all need to stay in gratitude. We all need to avoid negativity. And I love and appreciate the 95% of the people that tell me every day how much they love this channel and they love me and they love the guests and how this helped them. And I love that. But and you know what? It's probably negativity. More, it's probably no. more than 90, 95%. Mm -hmm. I think that you probably have 99%. And you know, like we said before, you know, if you chose to, to stop comments or whatever, not only will that free you up more, um, it will let people just stay in gratitude. And you're always going to have disgruntled people that complain. Yeah, and I don't want us to alter what we say because no. we know what the haters are going to say. They're right. not saying anything now. They told me to shut up for the last time because I just shut them up when I turned off the comments. We don't Good have to worry you. in back of our mind, oh, they're going to say this or that's off yeah. the table. We no, are and just realize now. Good, wonderful, and just realize people—people people that are compelled to be critical constantly—if they're doing it to you and they don't even know you personally, just imagine the people they surround themselves—the the negativity and and you know just terrible vibe that they are bringing to other people and hopefully those people will have an experience like we talk about if they're tuning in maybe they have had a near-death experience or but chances are they haven't maybe they they want to because after near-death experiences and spiritual transformative experiences your life is forever changed and you do live in positivity and gratitude and love even if you did before, you do even more so after experiencing yeah. things. Uh, I'm so, 61 so and done. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, well, you're I'm, awesome. I put up with all well, the hate I'm going to. You don't need to. And, <laughs> and, and like we said, it's important, not just the near-death experience or STE, it's the, the entire experience that and understanding, you know, what happened before and after that really kind of um, makes the the experience um, much more real and understandable. So anyway, Peggy, thank you so much for having me thank on you. your show again for part two. And um, and, you know, I just think you are amazing. And I I admire you even more so now knowing that you have adopted nine children i just want to cry that's just so beautiful that you and your husband have have made uh the difference in the lives of so many people so not only personally but also with this amazing channel that's just going to get better and better and better i'm celebrating one million views today i just wow. made it to one million views and wow. I think it's pretty good for your first year on the channel. I think it is. Definitely. Definitely. You are awesome. You are awesome. And and it's so cool to see you, you know, because I followed you before. I like back in the early days when you were just finding your voice. So to see you come kind of full circle here and it's only getting better. So thank you so much for thank letting you. me be a part of that. Yeah. Good luck to you. Okay. Take care. So nice to see you. I'll be following you for, for much longer too. So keep it up. You do wonderful work. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye.